And welcome to episode 238 of the Saturn Studs podcast, or as it should be announced, episode 4 of the Paddington Power Hour, baby! baby. Oh, we got this. We got another Paddington Power Hour for you. That's the edition. Fuck it, Peter ain't here. <laughs> <laughs> when Peter's away, we will talk about bears and duffel coats. <laughs> That's the old saying, right? <laughs> Nothing to do with cats and mice. Like our first trailer, we'll just go right in the tray watch. Oh, shit, we're jumping is... right in. Yeah, we want to move fast so we can get the Paddington Power Hour because we got a lot to say. We do have a lot to say. We got a lot of information. We watched a, a, Brit- a fat British comedian uh, explore the jungles of Peru. Uh, a goofy looking they man. Terrified a bear. <laughs> Alluded it was Paddington. Yeah. And informed but the locals about Paddington Bear. It was great. <laughs> there, there was, uh, there was no shortage of Paddington content. But we could not have ordered a better uh, transition when talking about cats and mice than to this just awful, awful looking trailer I, for this new Tom and Jerry movie. Yep. yep. Um. Not, not happy. Not happy with it. It's, um, it looks like uh, they're trying to do a Roger Rabbit type situation, and. Um, I don't think it's gonna work. This reminded me of, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make myself feel really old here because I'm sure there's like six people potentially listening who remember this. But in like the year 2000 or maybe 2001, uh, they released a Rocky and Bullwinkle oh live action movie. Oh my god! Yes, yes. That had Danny DeVito in it. I um, vaguely it remember is the that year 2000. Shit. And it was awful, and just the way the cartoons are composited in with the live action in this movie gave me, like, super hard Rocky and Bullwinkle vibes. Uh, so, yeah, this has a... Four, the Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, from the year 2000, has a 4.2 out of 10 on IMDb and a 36 on Metacritic. Oh uh, stars Rene Russo, Jason Alexander. Oh, maybe it wasn't wasn't uh, Danny DeVito. It was Jason Alexander. I knew it was a, a shorter actor. <laughs> that I... A short crazed comedian actor. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there. I feel like these types of movies that try to like mix animation and live action are always trying to harness the same energy that Roger Rabbit had. Um, that was the one good one. Yeah. Like this has been done many times. You had the Rocky and Bullwinkle. You had Looney Tunes back in action. Oh yeah, from '04, and then you had there were a couple others, I, I but like so, yeah. Ro- Who Framed Roger Rabbit was the one instance where it worked. Yeah, because it was like it was like uh, I feel like it was like adult enough for a lot of people to like it. And the cartoons are what brought in the cartoons and the craziness was what brought in the kids uh, allure. But when it's stuff like this, and it's and also you don't have the actors who are properly trained to work in these types of situations where they're having to react to essentially nothing because yeah, it's gonna be it's, animated. It can be post. difficult. <laughs> so I am just I don't really have faith. The, the The actor didn't really look like she was that 
great. I forgot who it is. Um, Chloe Grace yes, Moretz, yeah. and this is she looked familiar, but I, I the name did not ring any bell. Let's I, see what she's, she's done. done. She did a hit. Oh, she was in Kickass. Kick yeah, yeah. yeah, I haven't seen and her the before. Fifth Wave. That's I think that's what I recognize her from the Fifth Wave because in Kickass she would have been like ten. Yeah, because her whole she was born in 1997. Oh Jesus! So she's the same age as uh, my girlfriend. Her whole like stick is that, her whole stick in like the kick ass was that she was a young girl but trained to be an assassin, so it was like very weird. And in this, she's playing a normal person. Oh yeah, let's talk about the plot of this movie. So for for no reason other than we need to make this movie, Tom and Jerry have moved out of whatever house they were in for the past 45 fucking years or however it, long they've been doing wasn't this Wasn't it like shit. the grandma, the old lady or something like that? Wasn't it her house? And she owned like the okay. cat? Well, originally there was a different cat than the Tom we know. Uh, and it was, a, I think, a, an older mm-hmm. black woman who, who owned the cat and then they, they switched it uh, later on. There's a lot of Tom and Jerry cartoons. They've been yeah. making them for like 85 years. Uh, but for whatever, wherever they were living, <laughs> they got booted out and they were heading to the big city for reasons. And it made it seem like the trailer in the beginning was like, oh, yeah, now they could be friends now. But no, it's it, it, the mouse, which is Jerry, uh, finds his way into a prestigious hotel that's Hosting the wedding of the century, it's it's such a, a a bougie event that they could not afford real elephants and instead <laughs> drew them in. Uh, and of course, uh, the hotel management is not happy about this mouse and uh, young Chloe here. Fucking is tasked with uh, eliminating him, and so she finds a cat, and of course, it's Tom. Because it could it could be no other cat. It's not like there are ten thousand stray fucking cats in uh, in New York City, or you know they could call the fucking exterminator. They even say that we could call an exterminator, or we could lean on hundreds of millions of years of predatory instinct. Yep. And it, <laughs> it's just like why why wouldn't you call the exterminator? Or pest control. Yeah. Or something. You're a fucking five-star hotel. There's so many different ways to get rid of a mouse. And they're picking the most difficult and the most destructive way. Is to let a cat run around your hotel. Yeah, I'm sure the guests love the fact that there's a random cat running around the hotel. Pissing everywhere. Just (laughs) leaving hairballs. Trying to catch this mouse. And just destroying the property, too. And throwing up in your bed. (laughs) Cats are terrible. Cats, cats are garbage yeah. animals. So, um, um, Tom and Jerry. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. It's so, if you want to know how confident people are in the reception of this trailer, uh, shockingly, the like to dislike ratio on it is forty eight thousand up to four point one thousand <laughs> down. Somehow, however. Uh? In case you were wondering if they maybe papered those results a little bit, they did turn off the comments. They were like, "So make of that what you will." I've been seeing a lot of a lot of movies do this, 
<clears throat> what uh what studio made this? Does it even say? Gotta be like DreamWorks, right? <laughs> or no, it would be Warner Brothers because Warner Oh yeah, it's, they it's own just that Warner property. Brothers, Warner Brothers animation. Yeah, they didn't what? That's like a same Disney people who did Rocky and Bullwinkle, interestingly enough. Hmm. So they did not learn from their mistakes. They're like everybody loves Tom and Jerry, right? It's like, bitch. <laughs> See, I haven't... the issue wasn't that we made a movie bringing animated characters into a live action. No, no, no. The issue was that we picked a lesser property. With Rocky and Bullwinkle. Tom and Jerry, it can't miss. It just can't miss. It's been 20, 20 years. Everyone's forgot about Rocky and Bullwinkle. We're just going to do it again with Tom and Jerry, and it's going to be fine. Mo- Moose and a squirrel, nobody likes that. Cat and mouse are what people want. That's what- but he's a flying squirrel. I don't give a fuck what kind of squirrel he is, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how I imagine it went down in the Warner Brothers yeah, executive that was the picture of- boardroom. It's uh, um, it, it's chaos. It's chaos. Chaos walking. Oh, Another trailer. S- chaos walking. So, uh, in case you were wondering if Ray was just a poorly written character, or if Daisy Ridley is a very wooden actress, you get your answer in this trailer. Uh, full disclosure, I didn't realize this was Daisy Ridley until when they put her name up there. Because... <laughs> To me, to me personally, you change your hair, you become a different person. Uh, it's like it's like object permanence. I have I have none of it. And if you even put on the slightest of disguised glasses, um, maybe a fake nose, I I will instantly be like, "Hi, nice to meet you." I've known you yeah, for ten years. Um, the the giveaway for me was the fucking one face she always has on. <laughs> <laughs> her one face it was like oh it's it's Daisy Ridley what do you know I also read the uh, the description but <laughs> yeah so um, there's a um, there's some sort of ship uh, that uh, sends down a pod and Daisy Ridley's on this pod uh, and uh, and some guys come up and they're like hey who are you and uh, it's uh, Tom Holland and what's that guy uh, I'm gonna have to look up Mads Mads Mickelson. Oh yeah. Also, another Mads Mickelson movie where there's no snow. What the fuck? <laughs> can't <laughs> can't do that. So she's found by Mads Mickelson and Tom Holland, and uh, something strange is happening. Daisy Ridley can see their thoughts. I guess that's the the premise of the movie is that all the men can like their their thoughts are like. Yeah, there's no women, and every man says the quiet part out loud. Yeah, that's that's, that's the, our literal greatest fear. That's the premise here. And um, I feel like half of it's not going to be like accurate. They're going to be like, "Oh yeah, I might, I might say like, oh, what, what, why don't you like my dog or something like that?" And I feel like half of the time it should be like, "Dude, I would totally fuck her." Boobs, boobs, boobs. It's like I don't know about that. Well, that's what's like, going on in my and like, head. And what the hell is like? It would just be constant fucking noise. You wouldn't be at least with my head. You wouldn't be able to pick out anything because there's always like eighty five thoughts going on in there at one time. Yeah, 
It'd just be just this wall of fucking noise. And like, Maybe that's why no one can read my mind because it's just there's just too much noise. Well, in like, can you can't imagine suss anything out? Can you imagine if you got like a song stuck in your head and it's just like constantly playing? Like that uh, must suck <laughs> for these guys. Constant music. This is, yeah, this is not a great society to live in. Uh, Nick Jonas is also. Oh in this yeah, movie. Nick Jonas is gonna bring all the bitches in to watch this movie because he probably takes off. Well, shirt. fucking, this is this is based on a book, and I have to assume it's a YA yeah. novel because it's just it just screams Twilight esque <laughs> YA novel to me. Yeah, same. Where every fucking girl is gonna have a poster of Tom Holland in this movie and be like, I wish I were the girl he was protecting. And then, like, or at least that's what they're hoping for. Uh, whether or not it catches on remains to be seen. There are a lot of uh, comments that reference the book being mind-blowing. Uh, and it may well be. But this trailer does not inspire a lot of confidence that this is going to be a, a good and faithful adaptation of the novel. I don't know what his, um, his power is. He has he has some sort of power. So I'm trying to look that up. What that is? Apparently, he can. Well, what I gathered from the trailer, I don't want to say apparently because uh, it might not be correct. But what I gathered from the trailer is he can just think the loudest and like manifest. Is that what like the snake? images? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if that's something that everyone can do, like the the manifesting images yeah. things, or if that's exclusive to him, or if he just does it the best, like he's the best Green Lantern, and they're all... He's the best thinker. His yeah. thoughts are different. Uh, still waiting on the movie where Tom Holland uh, doesn't have to do an American accent. <laughs> I don't think I've seen one movie... Where he has his regular voice that he's been in. It's because they probably hate it. They're just like, eh, we, we like you better as an American. Watch it just be like super fucking Cockney. Like Peter's impression of a Cockney British accent. Like that's Poppy his actual cock. voice. <laughs> <laughs> Poppy Cork. Oh, yeah, that snake did just come I want to see that whole it. movie where Moose just has that voice. <laughs> Poppy Cork. I, I want to hear him. Say it's not sweet, it's not a treat in his uh, British accent. Yeah, we didn't even tell him to do that. He just he just started yelling poppycock and dressing up as a an old uh, you know English shirt. Bobby, whatever yeah. that fucking thing is. <laughs> I believe they're called bobbies. Bobbies, ugh. Dude, England, get it together. They're called cops, and they shoot you. Get they're called pigs, <laughs> <laughs> and they plant evidence, and they beat you with nightsticks. <laughs> Because you're resisting arrest. Even when you're just trying to buy a pack of gum. Come on. Get it together, England. Get real police officers over there. That's how you keep crime under control in your country. None of this taking guns away shit. I don't that doesn't work. Obviously, you guys have so much gun violence over there. <laughs> the key is brutal police. Um, I, don't, I don't have a good I'll just, transition. To... <laughs> yeah, I'll just briefly mention that. Uh, well, you know what? I would rather be beaten by nightsticks than watch Sister of the Groom. There's my transition. <laughs> okay. that's, uh, that's a good one. This movie looks terrible. <laughs> yeah, this looks like straight hot garbage. I have paid attention to it because it was like, wow, none of this interests me. It's it's about a sister and a groom, and they the first scene, other than mentioning that it was uh, by Sabin Films, <laughs> which is just like, 
Come on, Saban. What aren't you? Oh my in? god, my Diane was trying to like get me to watch this movie called The Buddy Games last night. Um and I just had sent her a Reddit post of like a bunch of golden retriever puppies attacking a kid with love. Um, and she's like, we have to watch the buddy games and you know, like air buddies and all that stuff. I assumed it was like an Olympics themed movie about golden retriever puppies that play sports. Uh, but I looked it up and it's not, it is a Saban films distributed WWE studios produced movie. That is a, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. That has Olivia Munn in it. So I'm like, that strikes one, two, and three, babe. We can't watch this. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's saying Beetlejuice three times in a row. You're about to summon something you can't give back. <laughs> no, that's, you're going to go on a crazy, wild Tim Burton adventure that Michael Keaton made his career on, I guess. That's <laughs> saying Biggie Smalls three times in the mirror. <laughs> the lights off. Biggie Smalls. <laughs> what does that do? Someone Biggie? He just yeah. raps at you? Yeah. Tells you to call him Big Papa? <laughs> yes. It's horrible. It's terrifying. You instantly regret it. You're like, I thought this was going to be a great idea. Great this prank seemed like friends. a great idea at the time. <laughs> um, yeah, looking at some of the comments for this uh, uh Sister of the Groom. It's uh people apparently really liked it because Alicia Silverstone is in it, and they're saying like, um, I don't know who that is. <laughs> me at the start of the trailer. Hey, Alicia Silverstone. Me at the end of the trailer. Ah, I see. <laughs> That's disappointment. Things you've fallen on hard times. I see. Yeah. Um, what has Alicia Silverstone done? She's not even the first Alicia that comes up when you type in Alicia. Pick up your game, Silverstone. Known for Clueless, Batman and Robin. <laughs> she was Batgirl in Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah, she was. She's gotten a little bit older now. Okay. She's she's definitely... A, so, yeah, Clueless. And then Clueless is why all these young... Well, not young anymore, but all these <clears throat> now... Uh, middle-aged women will want to see this movie because they're all i'm sure obsessed with clueless from their youth and she was the main character in that movie other hits so like her known for does not extend past 1999 <laughs> it is clueless from 1995 batman and robin from 1997 blast from the past from 1999 and excess baggage from she's been doing like infomercials and like um, what is that? QVC, QVC stuff, <laughs> selling necklaces and mops to random people. Uh, on TV. She had a role in the last season of the TV series Braceface. Oh, good for her. <laughs> um, yeah, and then she's done some voice work. I think she's still rolling off the Batgirl moolah. Yeah, the, obviously. Oh, she was in Tropic Thunder as herself. Um, yeah, she has not done much of anything of note since the 90s. <laughs> She's really riding those uh, Batgirl and Clueless royalties. Yeah, 
so so this movie's about um uh her brother uh since we talk about her a lot uh, her brother uh, is getting married, so she drives up with her husband to the Hamptons. And she doesn't like the bride. She doesn't like her. Nope. It's the first time, obviously, meeting her. So, clearly, the mature and well-balanced mental thing to do is to sabotage the wedding. Yeah. Uh, and ruin your brother's happiness, because you he can't be happy if you don't like the bride. Yeah, and at, at one point um, they say they don't want her there for the wedding because they don't want her to the, her to ruin it. Because she's actively and trying she, to sabotage the relationship. I think that's that's a, probably a smart call, you know. When somebody... that feels appropriate, <laughs> like you can you can hem and haw about how oh she's your sister, you gotta be at the wedding. But when someone's actively trying to break you and your fiance up, maybe you don't want them at the wedding. Yeah, yeah, it might leave some bad blood. So they, uh, you know, Alicia Silverstone, her adult reaction go off and she's like, you know, let's, let's drug her, you know, let's slip some Molly into her drink. <laughs> and she has a reaction that no one ever has ever had to, uh, taking Molly Yeah, where she like just freaks out and goes, needs an ambulance for like, some reason. Molly if- just makes you feel happy. Yeah. <laughs> Molly just excites you, make you see colors. I'm, I'm, I'm told. I've obviously never, <laughs> never done it myself. Cause I'm a good boy. Molly is the one is the one thing that um, <laughs> my friends and I have always said. Like that's the one, like I guess, quote unquote, hard drug. Uh, that we like. Yeah, as hard a drug as ecstasy is. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just like, well, like we're not gonna be like meth or heroin. <laughs> it's not like- Gonna, well, those are hard uh, drugs. Yeah. Like ecstasy, that's not a hard drug. It's like we're, that's we're gonna get close. We're not gonna we're not gonna get into actual hard drugs. It's so, not even uh, a real hallucinogenic. No. <laughs> but that was the one thing that we would we'd try, uh, and then we just have to. I'm I'm afraid of the uh, the come down from that. Apparently the um, the uh, when you're coming off of it, like all you're left is uh, all the sad chemicals in your brain. Which is why you no do it before you go You go to sleep when you come down. Gotcha. That's, that's how you manage it. I, I am told. You're told. Uh, okay. Obviously, I've, I've never, <laughs> never, never have had any experience with this. Just all hearsay and conjecture, um, which were kinds of evidence. <laughs> no, it was hearsay. <laughs> um, well, speaking of drugs, <laughs> the Godfather, <laughs> Coda. Uh, it's the Coppola cut of the Godfather. Coppola Uh It's not coming to theaters. Uh, owning exclusively on Blu-ray and digital, December 8th. Wait, I thought it, it was is... coming to theaters. Oh, maybe it's a limited run yeah, of like theaters. One, but I it, thought says, it, was... it says own it exclusively, <clears throat> and to me, exclusively <clears throat> means only. There is there is one shot of it. It says in select theaters starting December 4th. Oh. So, one night. Or well, right. no, starting December fourth, but so, select yeah. theaters. Okay. I don't know. Ah, there we go. It was after the own it exclusively. Yeah. <laughs> so between the fourth and the eighth, I'm sure it'll be in theaters. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anyone's gonna pay the same price to see it in the theater to just buy the Blu-ray uh, on the eighth. Yeah. So um, Francis Ford Coppola remade his uh, third uh, movie to the saga that is. The Godfather movie, um, or the trilogy. Godfather Part Three, yeah, um, which was the 
least liked in the series. So that's why. They're... Oh, that's why. So that's why he's remaking it, I guess. Because it wasn't his true vision. This is this is how he wanted it. So it's apparently it's got a new beginning. Uh, it's also got a new ending, and I think that's what everybody's like probably gonna be tuned in for, is the the new ending. If I I yeah. personally haven't seen part three. I have not seen part three. I don't think I've even seen part two. I think I've only seen part one. I so I have. I'm not up on the controversy yeah. of part three. I just know that if you look at critical reception of each, yeah. like I think part one's the highest and then part two is a little less than that. And then it's a pretty steep drop off with part three. Yeah. So I, I mean, it seems like they, they remastered it. I, I think what's nice about it is that they remastered it. So it's going to look a lot better. Look maybe a little bit more crisp. Um, sound design, maybe, maybe a little bit better. Um, and then, uh, yeah, apparently they're they're doing a lot of cool stuff with it. Uh, yeah, new yeah. master uh, sound and picture. So I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see. Um, depends on how people receive it. I guess it's a good way to retcon your mistakes. Maybe they'll do that to Star Wars. One. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> part one and part two have ninety eight percent ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. Part three has sixty eight. Uh, 9.2 out of 10 for part one on IMDb, which is very high. Uh, 9 out of 10 for part two, and then like 7.2 out of 10 for part three. So yeah, part three, something went wrong with part three. I don't know what it is, but but something didn't, didn't click for audiences mm-hmm. with part three. So uh, they're they're cleaning up their, their legacy here, I guess. They, they dug... I don't know how many people know this, but Francis Ford Coppola died in 1997. So they, they just... Alicia Silverstone, I heard, uh, may have been involved <laughs> in the murder. Um, <laughs> that's why she got blacklisted from Hollywood. She, she off <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola. But they, they exhumed his body and then uh, through, through a combination of science and magic got him to recut part three of The Godfather here <laughs> in 2020. When they exhumed his body, they um, they found out that there was actually uh, more footage to Godfather Part Three. <laughs> he was buried with it. Yeah, he, he was clutching several uh, reels of film <laughs> to his chest. Yes, and and by the power of uh, cannolis and Al Pacino and Dunkachino, Dunkachino. <laughs> It's they, dunk. <laughs> the spirit of the Godfather flowed through Francis Ford Coppola, and in a necromantic vision, he rose and said, "I have to finish part three. New beginning, new end. Let's do it." Well, I shall call it the Godfather, Coda. <laughs> oh, that's that's also the other thing is that this is a new title, I guess. Yeah, Coda: The, the- Death of Michael Corleone. Mm-hmm. Um. So, which just like tells you the fucking kinda, plot of part three. <laughs> kind of gives away the ending. It's like what? <laughs> okay. Watch him not die. Biggest swerve of the century. Oh, wow, Coppola! <laughs> what a genius! <laughs> Truly a visionary. You can't understand his genius. He doesn't even understand his genius. There's debates on whether or not it's actually genius. There's you decide. 
It's like if you were to title like a Superman movie, like Superman, Lex Luthor kills Superman. And in the <laughs> end, he doesn't. Superman. He doesn't do it. <laughs> doesn't he, kill him. Superman's alive and well at the end of the movie. Yeah, that that that's the level of uh of mistitling we're we're operating under here. Yeah. All right. Let's see what else we got here. We have One Night in Miami, uh, which is not the sequel to Murray Head's song One Night in Bangkok. Uh it's a movie directed by Regina King. Where where Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, Malcolm X, and and Sam Cooke are are all in Miami. Now, do they do they actually like meet up in like real life, or is this like a? I don't know. I think this might be fictitious. I mean, they were all alive and relevant in 1964. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's possible. I don't know that it's it's based on a a, a real event. I feel like I would have. This would be a well, more well-known thing, you know? Yeah, it seems like people are really excited that it was a Regina King-directed movie. I don't necessarily get that, though. Like, she hasn't really... Well, isn't she the... Directed Isn't anything. she the the spawn of... Somewhere down the line of uh, Martin Luther King? Uh... Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily make her a good filmmaker. No, I'm not. Oh, I didn't say that. I just <laughs> I um, think people are like, oh, <laughs> she must be good. Um, you would you would never say anything about the family of Martin Luther King. <laughs> no, there's there's no skeletons in those closets. That's for sure. Um, you can't say she's a bad director. Come on. Uh, what? Yeah. What? What has she done? Um, she was all right. So apparently, she has a, a career going a lot further back than I imagined. She was an enemy of the state. Interesting. Howard Stella got her groove back. Jerry Maguire. Friday, <laughs> of course. Every black actor was in Friday. <laughs> um, Daddy Daycare, of course. Her her best best film. Legally Blonde too. Oh, she's got some hits in here. A Cinderella story. She's done a lot of like onesie twosie episodes of like some some alright shows. Um Yeah. The This Christmas, our family wedding. If Bill Street could talk, planes fire and rescue. <laughs> yeah, not exactly a uh a astounding resume. She was in the new Watchmen show on HBO. Mm, okay. As a director. Okay, here we go. So she, this isn't her... Wait, is it her? It, okay. So she has a film... She has many credits as a director, but they say this is her directorial debut. Really? Her feature film directorial debut. Okay, so that's the distinction. So these are all, I guess, short films. The Southland, Being Married, Jane. Oh, these are TV uh, episodes. So say, uh, let the church say sense. amen. Uh, was one that she directed. Yeah, these look like episodes of TV shows, which, for the most part, once a TV show is established, just kind of, like, directs itself. Uh, I'm not saying it's not going to be a good movie. I I don't want to, like, say that. I just, I am a little... She won a Peabody Award for something. That's interesting. 
Um, I just don't don't uh, really yeah, I understand don't... the hype of it being a Regina King because there are uh, several comments that mention her by name, and I was like, oh, who's that? Is this someone I should know? And uh, my my searching told me maybe probably not though. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know if, um, based on the stage play One Night in Miami, uh, so I, it didn't say, like, based on a true story, so this is maybe, like, what if all of these guys met? Yeah. Because um, they, there's probably, like, a story where, like, when they were all alive, they, they all did something, like, in, in, uh, Miami. Like, Muhammad Ali maybe had a fight, like, and he was there in Miami, and then, about okay, so according to Wikipedia, okay, One Night in Miami is a 2020 American drama film about a fictionalized meeting of Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, and Sam Cooke in a Miami hotel room in February of 1964, celebrating Ali's surprise title win over Sonny Liston. I'm pretty sure he was favored in that fight. Um, it is the first feature directed by Regina King from a screenplay by Kemp Powers based on his stage play of the same name. And stars Kingsley, Ben Adir, Eli Gorey, Aldous Hodge, and Leslie Odom Jr. The Venice Film Festival hosted the world premiere on September 7th, which had never selected a film directed by an African-American before. Critics were overwhelmingly positive, praising King's direction and the performances and writing. I guess we'll find out. It's coming. It's having a limited theatrical release on Christmas before being released digitally on Prime Video January 15th of 2021. All right. We solved the mystery. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty sure all those... Uh, are all those guys Muslim? Muhammad I, Ali, Malcolm X? I think there was... That was like... Oh, yeah. They, they, yes, they all converted to... Well, I know Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali uh, converted to Islam to avoid serving in Vietnam. Okay, gotcha. Weird. Wait, really? Well, I mean, they didn't cite that as the reason, but... Well, I just didn't know, like, that <laughs> That could be a reason that would get you out of, like, having to serve. Yeah, because it's a, it's a, a religious thing. Oh, like, okay. You learn something. There's something in religion. Islam about war and not doing it, which kind of makes the Middle East situation a little bit more, more head-scratching. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, but I'm not going to open that, that can of worms. Yeah. That. Uh, <laughs> this, this. I mean, this movie. We'll see. I. I don't know. It probably not going to be that great, but uh, it's probably going to be kind of have some sort of message to it and some nice themes that are kind of hit on the head. Not. It's sh- not going to be an overly exciting movie, I don't think. I don't, I don't know exactly where where the drama of it is going to to come from, but yeah. As I'm surprised they aren't releasing this in February, to be honest with you. Yeah, true. Because this seems like a Black History Month movie, if ever there were a Black History Month movie. Well, I guess because it's not Black History, because it never happened. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> it's like maybe the I guess so you got me there nah <laughs> uh, well maybe next time Regina who knows maybe well, it's really good and she's actually like a decent director I don't know but uh, sure couldn't be worse than uh, Born a Champion 
another movie about MMA. Yeah, MMA, uh, they start off really sappy about this guy coming in saying, like, I wanted to meet the man that carried my dead son off the battlefield. Uh, oh, Dennis Quaid is the that man who gets all sappy. <laughs> that man. <laughs> because Dennis Quaid's in this, and it's about martial arts. Yeah, it's Check about martial arts. Check with the comment here. G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so like I guess he's he he was a, a service member. He got out and started a, a marine, I guess. Yeah, marine and, and uh, started a karate dojo. I think he was looking for something to do, and then his friend had a uh, a dojo. Oh, okay. and he's like, "Hey, can you roll with this guy here?" And then he tapped him out, and he was like the Brazilian national champion. And he's like, "You should you should fight." professionally because you beat this guy does did this guy have like other like uh, he had to have martial arts training then no it's just marine corps baby <laughs> that's marine corps that's marine corps baby that's what they teach you they teach you how to take down Oorah and whatnot uh but then he gets uh he does he does actually go pro he, he, he tries to get into the pro circuit and gets fucking murked. He gets clapped by just some guy with a, a, a high knee, and they're like, you got cheap shot. And I'm like, ah, did he really, though? I mean... Looks like he walked into that one. Yeah, <laughs> I, he's obviously not trained. He's obviously didn't see it coming. Perhaps he need a little more than what the Marine Corps gives you to succeed yeah. in professional fighting. <laughs> but of course, he's going to come back and beat the bad guy in the final round. And everyone's gonna like fucking throw confetti on him. Yeah. And and everyone will forget that this movie existed by the time it's released. Yep. Yep. People are gonna forget it real fast because we've had like a million different fighting movies that have the same premise of, oh, he got beat the first time, come back and beat him up the second time. And not just like in general. Obviously, we've had a lot of those like in the history of cinema, but like in the past three or four months we've had at least two other movies with almost the exact same premise yeah and i mean like not to like rip on the creed movies or the rocky movies but those are basically the same thing as this so like we've seen it before why would that be ripping on those movies wouldn't it be ripping on this movie for ripping off the? (laughs) well it's like to say that that's like a that's like a uh, uh overdone premise even even yeah. for like Rocky just copying itself over and over again. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, Rocky like, came out in 1974. <laughs> well, it's like it's just like copying itself. It's like it's like hey, everybody liked it when he lost the first time, came back and Every beat the guy. <laughs> well, he never. <laughs> he only lost the first time in the first movie. He won every other fight. He never lost the Drago. He yeah. never lost the Clubber Lang. He did, didn't even no. lose the Hulk Hogan. I thought he, he did didn't lose the Clubber. I thought he lost to Clubber Lang. He was like, that's he was all cocky. Wasn't he all like cocky about beating Clubber Lang? And then Clubber Lang came in and being like, a fool, I'll put a, put a smile on your face. Just punch him, punch him over and over again until he went down. I don't, I don't remember him losing in any Rocky movie except the first one. And I think that even was a draw. Uh, <laughs> Rocky three. Let's see here. Um, because I thought it was like a title fight or something like that. Yeah, 
Lang and Rocky meet at the pandemonium and Mickey is violently shoved by Lang, causing Mickey to suffer a heart attack. Distraught, Rocky wants to call the match off, and Mickey urges him while he receives medical care in the dressing room. By the time of the match, Rocky is both enraged and severely distracted, pounding Lang with several huge blows, looking for an early knockout. He cannot put Lang down due to his own lack of conditioning. Rocky's mind... Okay, so he does lose, I yeah. think. Yeah. That was yeah. that three. And then he comes back. That was that was in three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I stand corrected. Yeah. He did lose the clubber lane. But that was the, his last last loss. That I, I, well, I never watched Rocky five or six, so maybe he loses in those. Yeah, I, I don't even think Rocky five or Rocky six included Rocky. I think he was just like the trainer. Wasn't that for like the the kid? He fucking fought in that movie. Did he? I remember seeing, you know, roided up shirtless Stallone <laughs> in his fucking 60s getting in the boxing ring. I'm come like, there's no here. fucking way. You come over here, I will punch you. <laughs> was it? Oh, yeah. Rocky Balboa is the name of the film. Rocky Balboa. Um... Plot, Rocky Balboa, now in his early 60s, has been facing some challenging times in his life over the passing years. He now runs a small, successful Italian restaurant named after his wife, Adrian, who died from ovarian cancer four years prior. He also battles personal demons from the grief over Adrian's death, ruining a relationship with his son, Robert, now a struggling corporate employee. Polly, Rocky's best friend and brother-in-law, continues to support him wherever he can. Uh, Okay. With some hesitation, both men. Yes, he does fight. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I'm not too old to fight, but I'll fight anyways. Man. Rocky movies. Yeah. They gave me every time. Um, so I, I don't know. There's nothing to Rocky IV ended before. the Cold War. Let's not yeah, forget uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that real world implication at the end of the Cold War. Yeah. Like, True. Say what you want about the movie as a work of cinema, but its impact on US foreign policy cannot be denied or understated. Man, too true. <laughs> it it ended the Cold War. All right. Just like we're gonna end Trey Watch now and move yeah. on to the follow up. We're gonna Rocky for it. Uh Domestic box office for weekend 46 of 2020, spanning November 13th through the 15th of the aforementioned year. In the top spot, again, <sighs> um, it, it claims it's opening, but it was there last week. Yeah. Uh, freaky, with $3.6 million gross revenue in 2,400 theaters. Good enough for... A fourteen hundred per theater take. Come on, Excuse people. There's me. a fucking pandemic going on. Stop going to the movie theater. Let them go. Uh, falls from first to second. I, I, it wasn't in first last week. This is lies. Box office mojo. Why do you lie? Uh, One point seven four five down fifty six percent in the same twenty four hundred theaters gained four week to week. Uh, the War of Grandpa hangs out in third, <laughs> another 1.3 million. Uh, it it's cr- it's clawed out 15 and a half million dollars from the domestic box office, <laughs> and another 8.1 abroad. So 
23.5 million in total. That's crazy. Come play. Uh, made another every time. Made another uh, million dollars. Um, I wish I could see its budget. It, it couldn't have cost much to make. Uh, but it's it horror movies make money. It's it's so <laughs> Larry. crazy. It's so crazy that we've like we've tempered our expectations now, and are like, wow, it made a million dollars. Good for them. Because it's like, well, I mean, it would probably make this kind of money in a non-pandemic environment, which is why it's so impressive. It's like it hasn't really changed yeah. any. Maybe it would have made a little bit more money, but like it's made seven and a half million dollars domestically with a villain named Larry. <laughs> Your monster's name is Larry. What's next, Stephen? <laughs> But it's, it's did at, you did you get the when you when we tried to watch the Adventures of Paddington Bear? Did you get the new Blue Blues Clues trailer? No, okay. did I know that was a thing. I'm excited. It now. was not fucking. It's not even Steve anymore. They didn't even call him Steve. His name's like Josh, or some shit like that. Is like who the fuck is this? I think it was just a show because that the the Paddington thing is like for children. <laughs> for oh just yeah yeah oh during the, the the show one. Yeah, the Nick Jr. Uh, I don't remember. I, I actually don't remember. I don't remember if I got any ads, to be honest. I I, I looked on my phone. That's probably why. Okay, gotcha. Um, Honest Thief in fifth with $779,000. Tenant, $735,000. How did Tenant do? It made $56 million domestically, which is very impressive for the pandemic. Are you talking about this guy? What? The blue Perhaps. shirted one? Does he look like Perhaps. this? Oh, yeah. Well, who was I going to confuse him with? The dog? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe the little stick people in the, the picture in the yeah, background. Yeah. Thank you for clearing that up, Jay. <laughs> I want to make sure you weren't confusing it with somebody else. Maybe the chair. Um... <laughs> um a $297 million international. $353 million worldwide. I'm sure that would have been a billion dollar movie any other year. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually surprised. Uh, horror movies in the top in the top five. Two of them. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, people just watch them. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, the, the fear of contracting coronavirus adds to the horror atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the 4D we've been waiting for? It's yes. fear. It's real life fear. Oh my god! Now in 4D, the character <laughs> might die, and I also might die. They gave me a scratch and sniff card too. It's 5D. There's five dimensions of entertainment. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Guardians of the Galaxy 2020 re-release opening in 7th this week $406,000 True to the Game 2 a movie I don't fucking remember ever talking about after her friend's death a New York City journalist becomes the target of a criminal looking to collect on a debt I'm sure that movie's fantastic man riveting (laughs) um 
Toy Story 2020 re-release um, opening in 9th with $222,000. Elf, the best Christmas movie other than Die yeah. Hard. Um, it's pretty amazing. Is getting its 2020 glow up $170,000 in just 300 theaters. But you might notice that we haven't talked about a spotlight film in the top 10. Well, that's because our spotlight film isn't in the top 10. No, 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 no. You have to slide down two slots to 12th, where our spotlight film, Fat Man, the Mel Gibson Santa Claus <laughs> movie that we gushed over uh, when it came up on Trey Watch, is out. Mel Gibson was bet- robbed. He deserves number one. You best believe that we're talking about Fat Man. So Fat Man has a 42% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, 39% on Metacritic, and a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, 79% audience score, though. But, you know, like we say every week, who cares about what the professional critics have to say? They don't know anything. They don't know you. They don't know your family. But real people, people just like you, clean people with reviewer traits <laughs> that we have selectively bred with specialized women that we have verified are free of venereal diseases. <laughs> they have reviews that speak to the heart of the matter. Now, normally we split them up. I do two positive reviews. Jake does two negative reviews and Peter does two middling reviews. But since Peter's not here, we're splitting his duty between Jake and I. So there will be a couple instances where you hear Jake and I talk for a long period of time in a row. So if you don't like either of our voices, I I don't know what to tell you. Why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> All right. I will go with... Uh, I just want to I want to read this review specifically for its title. It's not one of my two reviews, but uh, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> Submitted by Josh N twelve five twelve. Ten out of ten. Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and so is this. Go watch this in theaters. Have a great time. Movies funny, action packed. Treats itself way too seriously in a good way. Action and Christmas makes for a fun cinema movie. Thirty out of forty nine found that helpful because. That many people believe that the truth that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. All right. Now for the first, my first real review by Lulu, 1992. Mel is still the best, ellipses. Despite what one review says about this being utter garbage is easily dismissed. This person clearly has issues with Mel in his past. Yeah, he said things, but he has serious bipolar, which affects a person in a lot of ways. And if he were a true bigot, he wouldn't follow the main man, Jesus. (laughs) Parenthetical Jewish ellipses. (laughs) Yet no one seems to think about that while calling him an anti-Semite. Actually, he's just a anti-Semite, not an anti-Semite. Anyway... Fat Man delivers on all cylinders, giving us a great action, crisp mass, spelt with two S's, film as Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. Did. Lethal Weapon is not a Christmas movie. Oh. Die Hard did. Will be a cult classic, and it's that good. It's a shame Mel didn't make more like this in his heyday, when surely it would have been a massive hit. All the cast shine to their potential, leaving a cracker of a film. 
enjoy. That's an interesting word choice to cap okay. it off on. What is up with Cracker? Because I I have another, I have a one-star reveal that's titled Junk on an Xmas Cracker. Maybe it's a line in the movie. Maybe. Uh, okay. 29 out of 49. That's, that found it helpful. That's the only thing I could possibly think of. It Otherwise, it don't make no damn sense. Yeah. Anyways, somebody disagreed. Chris Holmes said, one out of ten, what happened to Mel Gibson? This Whatever movie is... happened to Robot Jones. True. This movie is bad. It doesn't make much sense. It's not well written. Badly produced. The acting is bad. I can tell the actors are socially distancing in the movie. <laughs> what? That's awesome! What are you talking? You can like date a movie because the actors are like, like six feet apart, <laughs> and they're all. <laughs> That's so funny. I don't remember that in the trailer, so I'm gonna say he's full of shit and just like an anti-masker. Corona is a hoax. Maybe chop him up like the Saudis do, kind of guy. <laughs> I expected more. I expected somewhat coherent story. Fantasy and reality is melded together. There is no realism in this. It's you expected sad. a somewhat... Co- I have to stop here. <laughs> it's Fat Man. It's a movie about a kid who hires a hitman to kill Santa. Why did you expect... I actually think Trump wrote this because it's just... There is no realism in this. It's just sad. 2020 okay, is sad. This movie is sad. <laughs> as soon as you said, I think Trump wrote this. I'm like, why? Is Does it have the word sad in it? Yeah. <laughs> Mel Gibson should start drinking again to see if that helps. Mel Gibson, probably, very over the hill. Probably very not. Re- to Ivanka. Sad. Said some things about the Jews that I agree with, but he's just sad. Sounds like a very nice man. If this is how movies will be post-corona, then I say it's no use. Just stop. You're better off watching reruns of Star Trek The New Generation until the end of time. One out of one found this helpful. <laughs> well, that's a 100% success rate. Yeah, I know. That ain't that ain't nothing to scoff at. Um. <laughs> All right. So I'll I'll take the first middling review here. Uh, Dupetastic, his review of Fat Man is 6 out of 10. Interesting premise with surprisingly good results. If you read the plot on paper, it sounds wacky and pointless. Kid hires Hitman to kill Santa for giving him coal for Christmas. But kudos to the filmmakers because somehow they made it work. It's probably mainly down to the main cast. Gibson, Goggins, and Baptiste. All three were excellent. And I mean, excellent! (laughs) The filmmakers even made Gibson and Baptiste convincing as a couple. If you know, you know. Why is one of them Jewish? (laughs) Walter Goggins is brilliant in everything I've seen him in, so he's a given. The film looks great and sounds great, too. One of the best films I've watched since lockdown. Would definitely recommend. Three or four found that helpful. But Freddy at Home has a much more positive outlook on this movie. Fat Man. 8 out of 10. Good Christmas movie with some fun violence and dialogue. Very happy to see Mel Gibson back in a good role. He does it really well. 
That's its own sentence. The man shows he's a legend for a reason. I liked it. It's absolutely different from most Christmas, other Christmas movies. If you count Die Hard as a Christmas movie, as I do, then I would put it, put both of these two as one of a kind Christmas movies. Also, if there's two of them. How are they one of a kind? Also, you might add Bad Santa on that list. I laughed and I actually got surprised a few times. Good violence. The hitman is epic and the kid is just a bit beyond the typical bad kid. I also like that fat man is flawed. He's a working man, tired, annoyed, and somewhat an alcoholic. So, you know, Mel Gibson. The story was good and I actually believe that this could be happening. If I believed in Santa Claus, LOL. (laughs) This is just pure fun. I like how they chose to tell the whole story about Christmas and all. Don't think logical and don't turn up and don't forget to turn off your brain. Then you will get some good old fun. I sure, I sure know I did. I can see myself seeing this again at a later Christmas season. By the way, I think a 12, 13 year old kid would love this too. Myself, I am 40 plus. 8 out of 10. 3 of 5 found that helpful. <laughs> well, um, I brought this up before. Uh, I'll actually re- read this one. Uh, 1 out of 10 by Xanthahoundrill. Z- Junk on an Xmas cracker. This is truly the worst Xmas movie ever. It's rather Xmessy. Uh, 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 funny or even action worthy it's not watch worthy do not watch it with children just save yourself from two hours of no fun the hole spelled like you like Shia LaBeouf's holes like a, like a hole in the ground the whole movie is a ju- is a just bad <laughs> Mel Gibson okay. might Mel Gibson might be a great actor, but there was no chemistry between him and Ruth. Ellipses. There is not Xmas fun, no Xmas action, and even worse, not Xmas toys. No Xmas <laughs> bells on elves. The, what? On elves what? It was like a possessive elves. <laughs> Where, where what what did you want that on, the elves? on their shelves obviously <laughs> 10 out of 18 found that helpful 10 too what? many 10 out of 18 <laughs> found that helpful that was the most helpful one star review <laughs> what the fuck i feel like i should like reread this uh at a later date and like try to put like a christmas tune to it because i feel like it's 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 listed like a song yeah, saying it's like jingle bells. Yeah. Um. All right, so uh, a little bit high, but seven star, seven out of ten. Uh, for ho ho ha. Says a little bit of spoilers, so hopefully, uh, there's nothing too bad in this. Um, I just liked it for the the title. If you really want to see Fat Man, like skip ahead yeah. two minutes it, and you should. Yeah, be just okay. just fast forward a little bit. <laughs> uh. I had put this on my watch list the moment I saw the trailer, although it wasn't exactly what I was expecting. It is a fairly decent movie and did make me laugh out loud a few times. Wow, he didn't actually put LOL. That's quite impressive. Mel Gibson does a great job as Santa. 
as does Walter Goggins as uh, the hitman with a personal vendetta. And Chance Hurstfield plays his role well enough that you despise his character. The acting overall was pretty good. If I have any complaints is that there were certain parts of the storyline that made no sense other than prolonged action. You don't say. (laughs) I mean, Santa getting subsidized by the U.S. government? And surely Santa had more powers than he used. And by no means do I want to come across as a racist, but come on. A black actress playing Mrs. Kringle? (laughs) If it changed the story in any way, I could overlook it, but they just race-swapped her to dot some I's and cross some T's on an equality form. All in all, the movie could have been better, but I still enjoyed it though it ended quite abruptly. Recommended for a few chuckles. 15 out of 15 found this helpful. (laughs) I just want to point out to this guy that this movie obviously wants to be in consideration for an Academy Award. (laughs) Therefore, they need to meet a minimum diversity (laughs) quota. That's exactly what I thought. (laughs) Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, they couldn't have just an all-white cast. They had to get the diversity in there so they could get the Academy Award. Makes sense. It's I just smart. got a I got a text message that's just all in Chinese. Oh, you should answer it. Translate it. <laughs> Figure I, it I out. Might, let's... Decipher it. Encode it. Alright, let's let's copy. And uh, let's 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 just let's just plop into Google. Oh boy, it's gonna be like you Oh, it's it's just more Chinese. Like let's Bring up Google Translate. <laughs> yeah. that, that's probably the more effective way of doing this. Figure this out. Maybe you won. Maybe you won something. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Whatever I won from this <laughs> Chinese contest that I didn't enter, <laughs> super legit. <laughs> maybe it's your your Chinese uh, uh, cousin who's who's got a million dollars in a diamond mine and needs a. Needs 5,000 uh, startup cash. Welcome to become distinguished member of Wild Gentle. Now there is a gift for the store to give you three gifts for your friends. Ooh, I can... That takes care of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Download the picture below and send it to three girlfriends to receive gifts for free. <laughs> Successfully successfully introduce three girlfriends who open the card to get slimming clothes worth $138. Reply 589 to inquire about girlfriend card discounts. 888 to check your points and TD to unsubscribe information. <laughs> what an oddly specific amount. Yeah, these shirts are uh, five ninety nine. Slimming clothes. Slimming clothes. That's. I feel that's important to the uh, to the thing there. All right, I need to. Uh, that's funny. Block A S A P. Block and report for fraud. Thanks, Google. <laughs> um, on on to gaming news. I guess. <laughs> um. Independent reviews are out for the new Radeon graphics cards, the 6800 and 6800 XT. Um, And they're pretty much right about what AMD said they'd be. Uh, The 6800 XT trades blows with the 3080. And 
usually it's about 6% slower overall, and it does win in titles that traditionally favor AMD graphics cards. Um, the 6800 non-XT has a healthy lead over the 3070 but for $80 more eh, it's kind of hard to argue that's the better value but both cards overclock pretty well and uh they can a a overclocked 6800 XT will beat out a uh stock 6800 or stock 3080 uh which doesn't have a whole lot of overclocking room and if you overclock it, it draws a shit ton of power uh, of course, it's only a 300, it's only a 20 watt TDP difference between the 3080 and 6800 XT. So I'm sure that one also draws a ton of power when overclocked. Uh, but yeah, so they're for the first time since like the R9 290 and 290X came out, AMD has a graphics card that's competitive in the high end. And based on how little a difference smart access memory and rage mode made in these benchmarks i think it's pretty safe to say that in the majority of cases the upcoming 6900 xt will just flat out beat the 3090 in traditional workloads uh at 500 dollars less although the reason that you would presumably be buying an rtx card would be for ray tracing which the AMD cards do not do a great job with. Uh, that's kind of where mm. the bloody gosh showed up on their scorecard. But no one really expected their ray tracing to be good. And to be fair, I don't really think I would make a purchasing difference based on ray tracing. It's not supported in a ton of games, just straight up. And... It's lighting and shadows. Like, it does make the game look good, but those are two of the first settings I turned down to get better frame rates in my yeah. games. So, like, I'm not, I don't know that I'm going to make a purchasing decision on graphics cards based on that. It's a nice to have. Like, I got 2080 Ti in here and it ray traces well, uh, but I don't, I, I own zero titles that support ray tracing at yeah, the moment. Yeah. Like personally i know like i have one that would support ray tracing and if i if if i had like an intensive game that was maybe lagging a little bit or i wanted to boost up that fps that that, that is the first thing i would turn down I, I would turn down turn up ray tracing i'd try to get shadows and lighting a little bit off and you know try to just get peak performance out of it where i can because i know it's a powerful card um, yeah but so I, um, I don't think that should be like because i also think that maybe not everybody knows that like ray tracing is just lighting and shadows because i think it wasn't yeah well a lot of nvidia's that. marketing and i think it was less the marketing and more the memes about like rtx on and off versus you know like <laughs> where you have the images where it's like all blocky and stuff yeah. and the rtx on it's like super photorealistic like the one i remember most is the surprise pikachu face where with rtx off it's like the hand-drawn one and the uh, RTX on, it's like fucking Detective Pikachu. Yeah. <laughs> realistic <laughs> rendered. Um, so I think that kind of confused people a little bit. Sure. But uh, it's it's nothing but good for the consumer to have both companies once again competing in the high end uh, for your, your dollar. 
Um, for sure. Yeah, I think, so, I think definitely the competition will only breed uh, innovation between these these companies. Yeah. Um, Marvel's Avengers, desperate for oh. a player base, <laughs> is teasing new content and on Steam as of yesterday is available for a 50% discount. Yikes. So, uh, that just came out like a couple months ago, right? We did, and we've reported a couple times on this, or it's been Piers' uh, pet story about how there's just been a, a huge fall off in player account, and people are waiting hours for matches if they even can get matches. Uh, so Square Enix is—I don't know if they're they're hurrying up some of their DLC, but they're definitely trying to get some some players. <laughs> play in the game so that matchmaking can you know work yeah seriously because that that's got to be infuriating you don't have a huge player base yeah not even they... a huge player base just a player base <laughs> yeah. so yeah they're 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 pushing the uh black panther uh dlc and they uh revealed kate bishop who I, I'm not familiar with judging by the the still of her drawing an arrow I assume it's one of Hawkeye's kids. Um, but I don't know. I, it could be a newer character. I haven't read a Marvel comic since 2015. So uh, IO, IO Interactive is um, just released uh, that they are making a James Bond trailer uh, with the... or Not making a James Bond trailer. A James Bond video game called Project 007. Um, and uh, they're, they're the ones who notably uh, make Hitman, and I think people are kind of like iffy about Hitman. Uh, so I think they're kind of excited well, to see a newer, new... like which which Hitman, the newer ones or like the Idos Montreal older Hitman from, titles. I, from what I heard briefly, is that just like the new Hitman games just weren't bringing like a whole lot new to the table. Like it's yeah. just like kind of the same game over and over again and with I think like a few Square new... Enix makes the new Hitman games, or or uh, they did. Like I was looking into yeah. this because uh, the other like randomly a few weeks ago, um, because I was curious because I know Idos Montreal. It was when I was writing my review for Half Life because I remember that um. Hitman came out around the same time and had a much better physics engine than the Source engine. Um, and uh, so I was looking that up, and I, and I discovered there were like three developers who have who have uh, tackled it. IO yeah. Interactive. Okay, so I, they, that's the original ones. Yeah, they're the one that uh, they just came out with Hitman Three. Uh, well, it was announced in uh, June, rather. Scheduled to be out uh, January 20th, 2021. Um, but I guess now they're also working on uh, 007. So I'm only assuming that this is like early in production uh, since they're just finishing up with uh, Hitman 3. Yeah, um, they so could that... have a separate team that's been working on this. Um, yeah. The James Bond games traditionally have been, uh, or at least back in the the xbox uh ps2 days 
they were kind of like the unsung heroes of that console generation. They were always very solid games that were fun to play. I have a lot of fun memories of playing Agent Under Fire and From Russia with Love. Um, they were pretty pretty solid games, uh, and of course, GoldenEye is legendary in uh, the gaming community. Even though, if you go back and play GoldenEye, it's not very good anymore. <laughs> GoldenEye is the best. No um, odd job. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know the game's aiming was wonky when people had to yeah. say, don't play a character that's model is a little bit shorter because it's that more difficult to aim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, playing odd job was uh was cheating. Um but yeah, so I I don't know, I think they'll have uh maybe the Daniel Craig model for like James Bond too. They'll probably just try to update it instead of like having uh I'm, who was he I, based off of? I bet you they'll have skins for a bunch of different bonds. Yes. And I'm pretty yeah. sure because he passed away recently oh, fuck, the sean yeah. connery skin is going to be like a pre-order bonus oh my god that i feel like I t- for some reason that doesn't sit well with me oh no it doesn't sit well with me either i like and pre-order they, bonuses they, in general god. don't sit well with me but <laughs> yeah <sighs> that one Dude, in particular would be um Cheap way to get pre-orders and yeah. i don't like it but james bond game pretty interesting We'll see what we'll see what comes from it. So, Rocket League's developer has commented on why we are seeing fewer 120 FPS titles on the PS5. Surprise, surprise! The consoles aren't delivering exactly what they promised. Who'd have thought? Um, but according to them, enabling 120 hertz on the Xbox Series X S is a very minor patch, but enabling on the PS5s requires a full native port due to how backwards compatibility is implemented on that console and unfortunately it won't be possible due to their focus on other titles so apparently uh, perhaps maybe just for games that were uh, available on PS4 is very difficult to enhance the experience for the PS5 uh, Sony really seems to have made things quite a bit difficult for developers with the PS5, which is odd to me because essentially it's it's the same, it is the same hardware as the Xbox Series X. Maybe their proprietary uh, like decompression algorithm for their SSD that supposedly can get them 10 gigabyte per second throughput or whatever um makes it a little more difficult to develop for but overall they're very very similar pieces of hardware it's the software that's really driving the the difference um a study has found that playing video games may make you happier um Depending upon the video game, I can say yeah. that's true. Yeah, I think it depends on the video game. It can also swing the other way <laughs> very quickly. I have never been so mad at anything as I have been on playing Mario Hoops 3-on-3 three on, three on the Nintendo DS at the highest difficulties. I've never raged so hard at a game before. Yeah. Yep. Get that way with uh, League of Legends, too. <laughs> 
uh, pretty infuriating. And uh, battle rail modes have uh, definitely brought new frustration to games too. And you wait 20 minutes to get into a game and then you uh, die. That's start all over again. <laughs> yeah. But then you have games like Fall Guys that are just like, yeah, I, I don't care. It's it's so yeah. it's fun if you you get screwed. It's fun if you get the if you make it through. Um, Roblox has filed for an IPO, meaning that they're gonna go public. You can own Roblox on the stock market soon. Uh, they had a ninety one percent jump in their revenue due to the coronavirus and now they're gonna they're gonna go public so get ready to buy your shares of roblox <laughs> um we have uh we have black friday coming up because the uh, turkey day is right around the corner gobble gobble um, motherfuckers so watch out for some black friday deals uh maybe go out to your local best buy or or stay home and order online um i, I yeah i think this is probably gonna be the best year to take advantage of black friday deals because there's going to be a lot of reduced emphasis on in-store purchases and i feel that a lot of these deals are going to be available to you online so you don't have to you know risk getting trampled to death trampled or (laughs) or waiting in line for hours or infected with covid to get you know a decent deal on your tv yeah yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of um, like, you know, thirty bucks off, fifty bucks off here on like headsets, on uh, mechanical keyboards. Um, we also probably got some laptops and some monitors that you can probably. Reddit some, is a good place good to go. Um, R slash build APC sales is uh, a subreddit that I I frequent, and they all year round they'll keep you abreast of of deals on certain hardware and what yeah i always notice that like hard drives they always tend to go like on sale like quite a bit like uh, dram is so cheap right now yeah uh and a data um xpg sx8 200 pro it's a pcle uh ssd 512 gigabytes for 63 dollars which is is it mvme or sata uh it's a uh, NVMe. Oh, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. So not 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 too bad if you if not you have that slot open shabby. in your motherboard. You yeah, I've got a couple M.2 slots that are unpopulated. Um, yeah, and it seems like yeah if more... if they if I can find a good deal on a one or two terabyte NVMe SSD on Black Friday, I'll pull the trigger on it because I want to have fast storage for when newer games start coming out and taking advantage of uh like display throughput um sort of deals with like texture loading the uh the intel i9 9900k is only 320 dollars too i don't know how i just put a 9600k in my living room pc (laughs) yeah um no that's down for sure micro center had the 9700k for less than I paid for the 9600K. And I was kind of angry about that, but that's for, uh, it's neither here nor there. I mean, it's fine for like at 4K, it doesn't really yeah. make a difference, um, which is what I play on my living room TV. 
Uh, I do have a game review. I teased it last week. We didn't have time, but this week we have time. So I will give you my review of The Outer Worlds, developed by Obsidian Entertainment, released in 2019. Uh, It is Fallout in space, uh, for better or worse. It runs on the Unreal Engine. It has a very similar graphical presentation in terms of, like, Uh, art style and texture detail to Fallout 4. Um, That was likely intentional. Um, This is a pretty polarizing game. There are people that really love it. There are people that really dislike it. I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. I would say I like it, but I don't love it. But I really wanted to love it. Um... In many ways, this feels like, in some ways, I should say, it feels like it's the spiritual successor to Fallout New Vegas that I'm sure Obsidian wanted it to be. But in other, more important ways, it falls short of that. Uh, I think the biggest complaint I have about it is its length. It is a very short campaign. Um... I did a mixed playthrough, and my total runtime clocked in about 15 hours, uh, which for an RPG is extremely short. Um, I usually would say, like, you want 20 hours at a minimum for a game like this. But even if you did a, if you go on to howlongtobeat.com, even completionist playthroughs are, you know, only like 30 or 40 hours. Um, so that it's very short and the story is towards the end it makes a little more sense but at the beginning you're just kind of released into this world with very low stakes you're a colonist or a prospective colonist aboard a hope the hope vessel which is where all like the scientists and engineers and stuff uh were sent to colonize halcyon which is the the galaxy in which this takes place, or the colony. And it's ruled over by corporations, and uh, there's there's trouble afoot. But you don't really find out all these stakes until much later in the game. Like, you don't even know that the Hope colonists are, like, the best and brightest of the, the people they sent out until, like, the last two hours of the game. <laughs> So you're just released by this mad scientist motherfucker and told to do some shit for him for reasons that don't really resonate with you. So it doesn't really drive the plot forward very much. Uh, You pick up some companions. They're closer in depth to Fallout companions than they are to Mass Effect companions, per se. Um, Many of them aren't very interesting. I only really found two that I particularly cared for character-wise. The first one, you get Parvati and Sam, the cleaning robot, who I found to be the most amusing of... <laughs> cleaning robot. You mean a Roomba? The, no, he's like a... He's an auto-mechanical, as they call it, yeah. uh, cleaning robot who sprays acid on things. Oh, my God. Um... And he's his character is probably the funniest. And those were the two that I uh, I liked the most character wise. 
Gameplay-wise, they weren't the most... Well, Parvati wasn't the most useful uh, in terms of combat ability. And that's one thing, a common complaint, is that the companions are... They do not pull their weight in combat a lot. Um, so that's a little frustrating. But as far as combat goes, it's it's Fallout 4, basically. The gunplay is good. VATS has been replaced with tactical time dilation, which is the same thing as Fallout 4 VATS, where it just slows down time. So, mm. you, But you don't get to, like, pick your target of where you shoot. You just, like, aim regularly, and based on where you're aiming, there will be a, a, a secondary effect applied to the opponent. But the combat is pretty good. Uh, it's it's more tuned than... I didn't play a lot of Fallout 4, but from my experience with the two games, it definitely feels more tuned than that. And the character building, I loved a lot. It uses a pretty standard, like, attribute and skill system, which no issues there. But what's really nice about it is that it's very, very viable. Like, it felt more like old-school Fallout when it was an isometric game than a lot of games I've played recently where every kind of build feels viable. Like, I didn't really focus on combat. I was more on, like, speech skills and science. And very seldom did I feel like my character was ill-equipped for the situation. And just seeing, like, what options you had in dialogue to execute, I feel that if I had played as a more weapons-focused character, I would have had a good job. If I had played as more a stealth-focused character, I would have had a good time. There's just a, there's many different ways to accomplish your goals in the Outer Worlds, and that's, I think, its strongest suit. I just wish that the main campaign was a little longer, the story was a little more beefed up even once you get all the information and stakes it's still a pretty basic story uh there were certain missions along the way that felt good like there's one where you kind of you can broker a piece or like choose the sides between um on this one planet i forget which one i think it was monarch maybe the iconoclast and the msi which is not the same msi that makes pc hardware <laughs> um you can broker a piece between them. And in the final mission, a lot of the uh, factions you've assisted will come and assist you, which I always enjoy when a game does that. Gives levity to your decisions and calls back former things in the plot. But all in all, the story is kind of weak. Uh, the world is interesting. Uh, the writing is good. It's 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 got that trademark Obsidian slash Black Isle Studios wit to it. Um, the character, the character companions aren't particularly interesting, um, but the character building and exploration, they nail pretty hard. The graphics are good. The the gunplay and and brother combat gameplay is good. So it's a mixed review. I would say I'd give it maybe a seven out of ten. Uh, it's a game that's fun to play through once, but I don't feel there's a lot of replay value there. Uh, I uninstalled it after I finished it because I didn't really have a strong desire to go and play it again uh, and rework my build or anything or make different choices. There aren't a ton of different moral choices. And all your choices get read out to you how they affected things in a, a long-ass epilogue after you finish the game that kind of shows you the state of Halcyon and what you did. So there are, in the Fallout 3 sense of the word, 
many thousands of different endings, hundreds of different endings, but it all basically boils down to like three or four decisions you can make, good or bad. Um, and and that's what it is. It's 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 a it's a fun game. It's a game I'm glad I played it on Game Pass because if I had paid full price for this game, I think I would have been upset about it. And even if I paid thirty nine ninety nine for this game, I think I'd be upset about it. I'd say don't pay more than twenty five dollars for this game because that's about where the value for it is. Hmm. Now, the now have they have they talked about um, like bringing out DLC for that? There are two DLC possibly... packs available, but they were not included okay. with Game Pass, so I didn't buy them. Okay. Yeah, I'm just wondering because I'm like, okay, making a game longer, that could always be possible through like DLC. However, that's extra money. That's, yeah, it's extra money. It's also just like annoying when like, okay, well, I'm buying an unfinished game and I, I, I don't want an unfinished game. I want yeah. a fully completed game. So don't make me have to complete it after the fact and you know wait for DLC to come out. I'd say it's a good start, and I would yeah. definitely would play in Outer Worlds too. But they need to tighten up and expand on a few yeah. things to do it. Cool. All right. Good. And that brings us to Paddington Power Hour 4, baby. Paddington Power Hour. Let's do this. We so we've, we've, this. we've detailed to you some of the adventures of Paddington Bear in the past. We've, we've seen him go to prison. Uh, we've seen him foil a, uh, a thieving magician, so we're we're well aware of his adventures. But it it struck us we don't know too much about the bear himself. <laughs> so when we discovered that there was a 2001 documentary titled Paddington: The Early Years, presented by uh, goofy-looking British comedian Stephen Fry, uh. We were just so intrigued. We had to. We had to learn more about his origins. I'm so glad we found this because this was such an entertaining documentary of just how strange it was. And I, I would love to be on a, a fly on the wall to like hear this, like the pitch meeting go down and be like, "So what are we doing? Are we just, uh, are we just going to." So I saw you submitted a budget request for like 200,000 pounds. Mind explaining what we're doing here with this? What are you what are you going to Peru for? Oh, oh, you know that's where Paddington Bear is from. Yeah, but nobody in Peru knows who Paddington Bear is. So, yeah, yeah but it's they, okay. They went to darkest Peru uh to trace uh the origins of Paddington Bear and they played it straight. They played it like Paddington is a real bear. Uh, yeah. And his history is is real, and you can go and visit some of these sites. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, so so some of the some of the stuff was so we, we know uh, Paddington's mother and father are not in the picture. Uh, I don't know what happened to them, but he was raised by his aunt uh, Lucy. Is that what yeah, Aunt Lucy yes. and um, Uncle Pastuzo. Um, I, we we did learn to find out apparently at least in the original novel Uncle Pastuzo wasn't that well known so the movies gave a little bit more of a a look into what Uncle Pastuzo is all about yeah for the, the you know the the 20 minutes he's in it before he dies yeah uh, 
But I mean, it's still before that. Like there was no pictures of Uncle Pastuzo. I think I prefer like the novelization of Uncle Pastuzo, where he uh, he just plies his trade and he doesn't die. Uh, well, it's so funny. The earthquake. <laughs> What's funny? Because like Uncle Pastuzo, like um, so in in the novelization, he uh, he 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 disappears uh, after an earthquake, and they don't know where she is, where he is. But then Aunt Lucy looks up in the newspaper and hears about a bear, like, some however many miles away at, like, a mining facility serving coca tea and uh, iced coca tea and, and, and other drinks to miners, to, uh, like, like actually in the mine, like mine workers, not children. Prospectors <laughs> for... Uh, Prospectors, yeah. Precious metals. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, go back to your fucking wife and, like, adopted son. And said he's just off making money, and I'm like, I love Uncle Pastuzo. It's like in the Water Boy, just like <laughs> runs off, falls in love with a voodoo woman named Phyllis. <laughs> so, oh, this is this is great. So, so he goes. So, so it starts off as Stephen Fry, kind of giving like some of the like an introduction into Paddington Bear. You know, we know the story. He shows up in Paddington Station in London, England, and. Uh, he meets the Brown family. They take him in and they raise him and they, they do all sorts of stuff with him. That's fun. It's great. And then uh, we actually go to where Paddington was from in Peru. Uh, so we're going around at Machu Picchu and um, uh, Lima, I believe, is uh, one of the main Li- places. Yeah, Lima's like the capital, I believe. Or like one of the big cities. Yeah. And... Uh, I don't know. We this learn was... about a lot about Peru. Like this is definitely yeah. like a thinly veiled like Peruvian tourism board production. That's, that's uh, what it felt like. And when if whenever they started talking about Peru too much, they always had to like circle around and remind you that it was about Paddington Bear. So yeah. it'd be like, so they'd talk about like Peruvian exports and alpaca stuff, and it'd be like, and it's possibly that that's what Paddington Bears. <laughs> like coat was, was made, made out yeah. of that. <laughs> he did find a duffel coat in like a fucking flea market, which <laughs> and I've never seen an Englishman get so excited over a duffel coat <laughs> than <laughs> Stephen Fry finding a like this dark green duffel coat, olive drab, <laughs> olive duffel drab coat. duffel coat in this small market in Peru. <laughs> but they they go to like a random ruin of of a i forget what the word was but uh hacienda that's what it is hacienda. uh which does not mean sun house. i guess it kind of could mean sun house and it maybe in the peruvian dialect i i don't know peruvian spanish i know ecuadorian <laughs> spanish <laughs> so uh they just find this random rundown hacienda and like paint on a on a rock near it home for retired bears home for retired bears it's just an abandoned place and he's they're going in and he's having this this deep retrospective of like he's like this wow. is where where she lived out some of her golden years with other retired bears but as you can see now it it's been shut down and fallen to something of a state of disrepair I'm just like, I'm like this is so fucking wholesome if I had one like- criticism of the movie. It's that I wanted it to be just more of that. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted that to be be the bulk of it. 
<laughs> just have uh have set up stage props that are like and here we can see where Paddington lived in this treehouse. <laughs> and and it's just oh, painted on a board, Paddington's house. <laughs> just goofy shit like that. And we we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that they they do set sail across Lake Titicaca, which is <laughs> Unfortunately, devoid of boobs and poop. (laughs) He said Titicaca so often. He tried to squeeze in the name of that lake as many times as he could, just because I think he got quite enjoyment out of... uh, Because uh, I'm sure this like aired on BBC or something, where you're not really allowed to use strong language of any kind. So like, you can't get in trouble for calling the lake what it's called. So you're going to use... You're gonna say Titty Kaka oh, as many times as you can. Uh, yeah, oh, that was that was really apparent when he started talking about the coca leaves, <laughs> and he was saying, "Oh yeah, like shamans will like munch on the coca leaves, and that'll like the uh, coca leaf has a bit of a, of a bad rap because it does uh, <laughs> does create a narcotic that has been known to <laughs> power the minds it? of it, businessmen around. The- <laughs> he said, uh, "Oh, destroy the symptoms of powerful yeah, this- and famous men," <laughs> and I fucking lost it. I'm just like, yeah. That's a that's a very English and British way of saying, dude, fucking rich people snort this shit and get and fucking die. <laughs> I fucking love it. They go crazy. So it was very very polite way of saying a lot of this stuff. Um, I don't know. There were some cool parts um, that I really liked. Like oh, the, I thought um, the whole thing was very interesting and cool. Like yeah. I uh, watching it. Like the, when they talked more about Peru, I was frustrated in the sense that i knew it would be more difficult to incorporate that into the uh the discussion for the purposes of our show but it was interesting because i don't i didn't didn't know a lot about peruvian culture uh before i still wouldn't say i know a lot but i know more than i did certainly um going into it but i found like a lot of the ruins to be cool machu picchu obviously Mm -hmm. it's one of the eight wonders of the world uh very neat uh some of the other cultural things like the the language of the native indians which i guess is still fairly commonly spoken down there yeah. i had no idea that that was the case um or native peruvians i should say like they did call them indians which i thought was odd but, but yeah. it was 2001 <laughs> yeah it was a different time it was a different time <laughs> you see this was this could have been pre-9-11 you never know he could have been like, yes, the local savages. <laughs> just like Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, it, it was. Uh, there were there were some awesome parts. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. The Machu Picchu stuff was really cool. Learning about just how uh, this this village was isolated from conquistad- conquistadors, uh, the Spaniards coming down, and uh, and how little was raiding. known about it. The the how, lack yeah, of how little was known. The lack they of thought it was writing. one thing. Yeah. yeah, they thought it was one thing, and it was actually the precursor to, like, the Incan temples and uh, possibly, like, a holy place for them. Lots uh, of theories but it was abandoned. on yeah, yeah. why it was abandoned, it wasn't why like, it was built. Yeah, because it wasn't, like, destroyed or anything. It was, like, all fully it was built. pretty still, well like, intact, fine. yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I, just, I just thought some of the village, like, the huts were just completely fine, still livable. Yeah. But they moved on. Uh, I thought it was awesome that, like, they did talk about like how like a lot of areas in Peru are just so high above sea level that you're actually getting a quarter of the oxygen. And or a Stephen quarter Fry, less. A quarter, yeah, quarter, yeah, quarter less of the oxygen. 
So, like, when Stephen Fry was, like, talking and just standing there, he was, like, sort of out of breath he a little bit. He was short of breath. He mentioned that he was... He's a very tall man, too. Yeah. Uh, or at least he appeared to be tall, because everyone else around him was far shorter than yes. he was. I did... I, that was the other thing I noticed. Everybody was really tiny. I don't know how... Well, let's see. How tall is Stephen Fry? Let's let's put that in the Google machine so we can get a reference. Like, there's <laughs> a fucking giant amongst these Peruvian people who are Fry. just like... Oh, they also put him next to children and he talked about cutting them open. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> All right, Stephen Calm Fry is 6'5", so he's, he's, a, he's quite a tall okay. man. Yeah. Um... But even even with that being said, he uh, just towered over uh, these Peruvians. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was. Yeah, he visited school children, uh, talked about, uh, told them the good word of Pat. See, basically, <laughs> he's basically a missionary <laughs> for for our, like we are missionaries for the Church of Paddington. <laughs> Uh, spreading the good word across the nation, oh, much as the Spanish, much as the Spanish conquistadors came to spread Roman Catholicism, <laughs> so too did Stephen Fry to spread Paddingtonism across the land. We should see some. We should see if we can get our hands on our our bear paws on some of the uh, some of the Paddington coloring books that he was handing out. Maybe that's like the. It, maybe that's how you. Uh, Introduce uh, native people into the yeah. I mean, they have they have Bible co- themed coloring books. I've seen them at the dollar store. Oh, yeah. Same 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 idea. <laughs> um. So one of the notable things that uh, he did and the star of the show really. circled back circled back to it. Yeah, the star of the show was Yogi the Bear, uh, which was a uh, what was it? What they call it? A spectacle. A spectacle bear. Yeah. Spectacle bear, which uh, known for their rings they get around their eyes that show up much later in adult life. Uh, there was a village that had, uh, I guess, more or less captured one. Uh, I think it was a bear that was like kind of didn't have a parent uh, wandering around the village and they wanted to secure it before it hurt anybody or it hurt itself. Um, so they had like kept it in this cage for an x amount of time and then when he was going there uh i don't know if they arranged this beforehand or what but i'm uh, sure this was arranged before it had to be it was like it's like too coincidental timing it if was he's there for like a, a week. huge operation yeah and they they were going to transport this bear to this uh this enclosure this uh like rehabitat uh rehabilitation habitat uh to get it introduced into its own environment uh, because it hadn't really known this new environment, so they wanted to uh, slowly get it back into the wild, which was a very altruistic um, uh, theme tone of the of the documentary. Um, however, yeah. I feel like a little bit of that was missed when uh, when some of the tactics were a little rough in uh, tranquilizing the bear. Yeah, but they're not. That was due to the vet being sick and. Not being able to get there due to, and I'm sure I'm sure that a lot of these people really have no experience in handling a bear. Uh, like you can see, the enclosure was was not really set up for the I bear. Mean, there wasn't a door. They had to take it apart. Yeah, <laughs> like, like like there's the a lot of stuff it. about it. 
that you can tell it was kind of like a, a scattershot operation, which it makes sense. Like these are, are local people who just happened to f- upon this bear and had to let you know we're we're getting it out of it. Like the only person who knew what he was doing was the vet, and when he was able to come in, he was bitten by a rabid dog at first. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> like I was getting a rabies shot. So they delayed their uh, their transport. But even, like, also, I'm wondering how good the communication was between them and this new sanctuary because uh, the sanctuary wasn't even close to being done when they had, uh, when they were originally going to bring the bear over. So yeah. they were like, well, I guess it's fine because they still need a couple more days to finish the enclosure. But it worked but, out. They got Yogi in yeah. there. Um, and uh, I'm sure we could look up to see like what happened with him. But uh, <laughs> the plan was that he'd get acclimated, they'd find him a, a suitable female mate, and then they would slowly introduce them into the wild. Uh, because the bear had been in captivity for a while. Like It wasn't just they captured this bear. Like Obviously, from the size of the cage... He was much smaller when he came into their custody. Uh, and you can't just release a bear like that back into the wild because they won't really be able to fend for themselves, which is, is not good. Uh, so you have to slowly make that transition, which is what the the goal there was. Uh, but he served at least as a temporary tourist attraction for that that village, which was, was nice. And uh, yeah, Stephen Fry worked his way up to Machu Picchu, I've visited Pastuzo's, you know, cafe along the way. And, uh, of course... They, was it a, a similar thing where they drew, uh, uh, like, the just Pastuzo's, Pastuzo's cafe? Is, on yeah, a... On, a, on a sign somewhere. And uh, they may have even done those pickups in England, for all we know. Uh, yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, and he made his way back down to the uh, the sea and uh, boarded a ship and got in a lifeboat with five jars of marmalade to uh, <laughs> recreate Paddington's trip to England. Uh, and then when he got back to England on the train, he mentioned the fact that uh, there was no train line that would have taken him directly from where he would have boarded to Paddington Station. Like, there would have been no reason for him to not end up at Victoria or I forget the name of the other station. So he, he theorized that he would go to Oxford because that's where the marmalade would be. That's so and funny. And he would somehow just, know that. <laughs> it's just amazing that they're, like, kind of... They're, they're trying to find the plot they holes They worked in real the hard story. to plug those holes in the story of a children's book. <laughs> And they're like, yeah, no, obviously he would he would go to go here because uh, this is where all the marmalade is. They even they even brought in the uh, the writer of the book yeah. too, the, to clear up any gaps. I don't know how how well he did on that, but I'm I'm, I'm sure he helped out. Well, I mean he he played his part. He's like, yeah, yeah. If, like when he called him up about Pastuzo when he was reading in the library. He's like, oh yeah, he's a bit of a reclusive uh, fellow. Yeah, like yeah. the the amount of like thought put into like how Paddington's uh, arc would have played out in the real world was actually one of the more amusing and, and interesting parts of the movie. Because uh, he's, he's, when he's talking about Paddington heading to England, he's like, of course, the plan was always to emigrate to England. That's why Aunt Lucy taught him English. <laughs> and just like all these like, you know, like very 
thought out and and reasoned arguments about why these steps would have happened in the way they would have and they the way they did i should say uh was was very amusing a lot of a lot of effort was put into to that uh line of thought and it's a pretty interesting documentary it is available on prime and the roku channel it's called paddington the early years uh you can watch it uh for free there is ads at least on the roku channel version which i watched um i'm not sure about the prime video version but uh it's 50 minutes it's a tv clearly a made for tv special and uh it's worth a watch if you got nothing else to do if nothing else you will learn some interesting facts about peru and about your favorite bear yeah for sure so uh thus concludes the fourth edition of the paddington power hour uh possibly the final edition because we are (laughs) we're having to stretch for some content here so we might have to (laughs) review something non-paddington related the next time if paddington the show if if Paddington comes out with a third movie, you know we're going to be all over that shit. We're going to kick Peter out. Yeah, Peter's not going to be allowed on that show. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to see that opening night. <laughs> until until we get that, though, uh, yeah, we're we're basically stuck to like Nick Jr. cartoons and animated series. Yeah, there is there is more of that animated series that we reviewed last time we could watch. Uh, but I don't really know what we would say about it past what we already said about it (laughs) so we'll we'll figure it out peter doesn't miss the show too often so we shouldn't be shouldn't be in too much hot water uh but we'll we'll keep abreast of that um as far as peter is away on on family business i assume or or regular business he wasn't very specific but uh we'll be in contact with him vis-a-vis streaming tonight we might push it off to Sunday. We might uh might do it tonight. We'll see. I don't want to like exclude Peter cuz we're doing we're finishing up Mass Effect 3 with the Citadel DLC and like I you know he was there for all of it, so he should be there for for this part of it as well. Uh we're not going to arrival him again. So uh keep your eyes peeled on our Twitter at Stud Saturn uh, for that. Uh, SaturnStuds.com has links to all our social media and YouTube channels. There's a lot of cool content to check out there. Uh, if you'd give us some love on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcatcher is, we greatly appreciate it. You can also donate directly to the show uh, with the link in the description. And, uh, Until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peter would say peace, and I'm going to say bye-bye.